It's a time of year where resolutions run rampant. New Year's resolutions. I'm going to or I'm not going to do these things anymore. And we put all this stuff in front of us. We make these great plans and we start with the sincerest of hearts. We start with the sincerest of motives. But we oftentimes build on sand. Our resolutions most of the time are built on a beach. And the sand shifts all the time. So every time, even though we've started with this wonderful platform, every time the sand shifts, it moves. And, and we're knocked off balance. And maybe we can't reach this resolution anymore. Whatever it is, the, the last song really sums it all up for us. If Christ is not the center of anything that we attempt to do, you built your house, your hopes, your dreams, everything on sand. Not just sand, but shifting sand. Something that's going to move constantly. The wind, the waves, everything moves your base when it's built on sand. So the only thing I have to offer really today is to get into the word and, and give you some examples that Paul had brought up with regards to getting rid of the old and, and getting on with the new. A lot of putting off and putting on today we're going to talk about. So let's pray. Because again, regardless of what I have to say, if Christ doesn't speak, it's a waste of time. I've just taken a 45 minutes of your life and flushed it down the toilet. So let's not do that. Dear Heavenly Father, we depend entirely on you. I depend entirely on you. It is such an amazing blessing to know that you, the King of Kings, the creator of all things, that you care enough to want to meet us here today. You have not slept. You have not slumbered since you have arisen to your throne. And you know our needs today. Lord, there are a number of different issues going on today just here at Windsor Community Church. And you know them all. You know where our hearts are. You know where our needs are. Please, Lord, would you meet us there? Lord, would you take me out of the way and would you speak today? Would you use the words that Paul wrote down to really impact lives and make a difference? Lord, as we call an end to this year and look forward to the new year, would you make sure that our foundation is in you, the cornerstone? That it is not in, in the world, that it is not in something that I have dreamt up or, or anybody else, but rather, Lord, you. You are our all in all. You are everything we have, everything we have to look forward to. You are it. You are the centerpiece. What a beautiful song, Lord, the centerpiece of our lives. And Lord, as we, as we look and how you have changed us and made us different from the way we were before you to the way we are with you, Lord, would you just make it crystal clear for us? And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The whole concept today is to talk about putting off and putting on the old self and the new self, the old year and the new year. 
New Year's are full of such promise. We look forward to the New Year, many of us, because oftentimes there's things that we, we did or didn't do in the old year that we just as soon get away from. We just as soon move on. And the New Year holds such promise for us. There's so many exciting possibilities and opportunities in that new year. It starts fresh. Right? There'll, there'll be a dawning of, of 2008. And we'll look at that and with amazing expectations anticipate what will happen. And yet, it's a bittersweet time. Because for some, we'll have left things behind in 2007 we can never have again. People that we will have lost in our families, friends. And so we will go forward with anticipation, but yet with sadness. And yet the interesting part for me is that we oftentimes forget entirely why we're even here. What we're even doing. We get caught up in this wonderful Christmas and holiday season and, you know, we buy gifts, we give gifts, we get gifts, we help our neighbors, we cook cookies, we eat 6,000 cookies, right? There are more types of fudge than you knew existed that are handed out at Christmas time. There are more desserts, treats, snacks, soups, foods, and other things than we can imagine that occur over a one-week time, right? We will have done more things in a week in many cases than we will have in a year. But we forget the purposes, And as I was searching through the word to come up with something to share with you today, I kept thinking, well, the easy thing to do is to talk about old and new and and stuff like that. But, you know, really, the Bible is replete with showing us contrast. So one of the things I really love about Paul's writing is that he focuses on contrast. It was here. It should be here. You looked like this. You ought to look like this. He, he doesn't just point out our faults, but he says, let me give you a glimpse of who you can be and what you can be if your motives and everything else is right. So we start in Colossians chapter 3. That's where I landed. After looking at all the different passages that talked about old and new, I landed in Colossians chapter 3. And I think that it is, for me, one of the neatest areas to look at the comparisons between old and new. It's just so rich. There's so much there. There's so much for us to see as we look at that. So if we start in verse 1, and we're going to go through verse 15 today, we're going to start with the first four verses. And we're really looking at the setting. So Paul's putting together a setting for us. He's going to help us understand Why am I telling you this again? Right. The Colossians heard it. There are many other places that they heard this as well. And he starts off with in chapter three, verse one. If then you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. He's coming to us and saying, everything I say after this is based on this. If then, the first two words of verse 1, really translate better as since. Instead of asking a question, saying, well, if you are Christ, 
Paul is saying, we've dealt with that. In the prior chapters of Colossians, we've dealt with that. You claim to be his. All right? Good. Now let's take a look at what you should look like. Because Colossians, I'm not seeing it. I'm seeing some discrepancies. You say you're his. You say you belong to Christ. But you look a lot like the world over here. So let's talk. So since you have been raised up with Christ, you have made a decision to follow him. You have made a conscious choice to claim him as your savior, to accept his death on the cross for the sins, for a price you couldn't pay. You've accepted that. We're going to start there. Now, you've been raised up with him, co-resurrected. It's essentially is a picture of you have been raised with Christ when he was raised. And that's beautiful. So this is a special thing that you have. You need to keep seeking those things that are above. You ought not to be looking at the world. That's not where you belong. That's not where your sight should be set. You need to be over here, guys. You ought to be looking up. You ought to be searching For Christ, who is at the right hand of the Father, your life ought to be about that. That's where you need to be. But you're looking a little more like the world than you are Jesus. But you say you're His. How can this be? How can you look like the world when you no longer belong to the world? What is it? What choices have you made today that have kept you with the world? Instead, in verse 2, he says, set your mind on things above. Again, he's trying to really do this. Verse 1, keep seeking the things above. Verse 2, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. Set your mind here really is, is in essence, like it, it really translates well to be intent. Be focused, right? Things above. I work on horses. I'm a veterinarian. That's my life. Sometimes too much of my life spent working on animals. But one of the cool things about horses is all the things that horses do. And they oftentimes put horses into harnesses and pull things with them. But they put blinders on because they want the horses to focus on the reins, not on the horses next to them. So there's a focus there. There's a problem with the Colossians. They're not focusing. They're here. They're like this. Where they should be looking, every once in a while they glimpse, but most of the time they're looking around. They get nothing done. Horses without blinders, or at least many of them, are completely incapacitated. Yet you put a set of blinders on and they just have to look ahead. They go ahead. They do what you tell them. They now are dependent on the guy with the reins, right? The Christ in our lives. He's got the reins. Put your blinders on, guys. When you go home, go buy yourself a set. If we a great opportunity to share Christ with people, why do you have those on? <laughs> Let me know how it goes. Be intent upon. Our focus on Christ should be like a compass. When you open up a compass, it always points north. When people look at us, We should always point to Christ. There should be 
never a time when people look at me that they don't see me focusing on Jesus. It ought to be like a compass in my life. That, that even though I can spun around a hundred times, when I come out of the spin, bing, right there, right on Christ. The world can't touch me because my focus is on Him. I'm locked on to that. Right living always begins with right thinking. If we don't think right, it will be very difficult to live right. So this is what Paul's telling us. Set your mind. This right here. Come on, guys. Focus on Christ. Start here. And guess what? The rest will follow. Right? How hard is it to walk when you're looking here? It's difficult. How can you stay on that straight and narrow path when you're looking over here all the time? Look here. Look at the path. There's enough to see. There is enough in the world that Christ has for you to occupy you for the rest of your days here. You need not look any further than that. You can't get any better. Why bother? And I say that rhetorically because I'm probably worse than all of you. It's a struggle for me daily to keep my focus on things. But that's where we need to be. In verse 3, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. This is such a cool picture. We die to ourselves, and we no longer us that lives when we become believers. The old us is gone. However, we pack that stinking carcass around for a long, long time. We build sleds, we build wagons, we build whatever we can to drag a stinking carcass of our life before Christ with us everywhere we go. And it's hard. It's work. The easy thing to do is let go. But we can't. We would rather be miserable. We force it upon ourselves. We struggle with that. But that's not what it looks like. This concept hidden with Christ is like a three-pronged perspective. We have a common spiritual life with God and Christ. The world can't understand what we have with him because the world can't see into that. They can't understand that connection that we have with him. And it also intimates that we're eternally secure. We're hidden with Christ. The world can't get us. So how come we fight so hard to be in the world? Picture this wonderful, beautiful Warm, cozy environment. And outside, it's 50 degrees below zero. The wind's howling. Where would you want to stay? If you could pick nice warm fire, 50 below zero outside. It's easy, right? We'd all pick the fire. We have the same choice every day when we wake up. A life hidden with Christ or the world. What do we pick? When we wake up and we walk out that door, what does it look like? Are we encased in this loving Christ and focused on exactly where he's lighting for each step? Are we always looking for what the world has for us? What's available? Not the way it's supposed to be. As we move on to verses 5 through 7, we get a picture of our old self. It isn't a pretty sight. Right? There is nothing pretty about the old us. It's ugly, scary, it's downright disgusting. In verse 5, 
through 7, Paul writes, Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is on account of these things that the wrath of God will come. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. Consider, he's talking about putting these to death. It's important to look at that distinction. If we talk only about consider these previous things you did as dead versus actively, purposefully, aggressively killing them, you're probably going to drag them along a little further. Who wants to take with them today? We've got a bunch back here. Immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, greed. Want to pick some up on your way out the door? And we laugh, right? No, we don't want that stuff. It's in my pocket. I don't need any more. I got enough. We struggle with that. Because that's us, right? Before you are his, you are that. Verse 7 tells us, you all, you, you call Christ. Remember, this is for, these are the people that have claimed Christ as their Savior, Paul's talking to. You all walk like this. You must put them to death actively and aggressively. No passiveness here, guys. There's no passiveness. There's, this is no time for seeing whether maybe you can just drop it as you walk out the door. This is the time to turn around and kill it. Put it to death. Get rid of it. Be done. You don't want to bring this around with you anymore. And then when it's dead, leave the carcass. Leave it there. Don't build something to take it along with you. Leave it be. You don't want this stuff anymore. Immorality, sexual sin, impurity, thoughts and intentions as well. Passion, the physical side of of the sins. Evil desire, the mental side. Greed, the insatiable desire to have more, more, more. Bad stuff. That's what makes it idolatry. We're so focused on this stuff that we forget Jesus. It becomes our worship. And the minute we worship anything but God, we have become idolaters. We take these things with us. Leave them there. In verse 8 through 10, he starts to describe to us what the new self could look like. This is where it gets fun. Right? No, none of us like to get beat around the head on all the bad things that we do. I don't like that any more than anybody. But Paul knows that if he's going to draw a contrast between where we were and where we need to be, he's got to show us what we look like. He's got to put that mirror up. Right? For those of you who are here at, at uh, Christmas Eve service, part of the, the kids deal where they talked about uh, what God wants for Christmas, that the, the last present was a mirror. So kids point the mirror out to all the people here. God wants us. Right? Well, as Paul's doing this, when you look in that mirror, what does it look like? What do you see in there? We don't want to be like verse 5. But now also, in verse 8, put them all aside. Get rid of them, guys. Put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. 
Get rid of it. Put them aside like putting off. The picture is getting rid of dirty clothes, right? Getting rid of something. Now, I always laugh because the, the church that I grew up in, Sunday was all about wearing your finest clothes and sitting in your assigned pew. Now, they didn't have names on them, but they may as well have. They, they were passed on generation to generation. That's just the way it was. And if you were a new visitor and by chance you sat in somebody's pew, it was not good. People's perspective was, you should wear your best to church. You should bring your best clothing, at least. Perhaps not heart, but clothing. This concept of putting things off is an example of of, of that. We wouldn't have ever thought about going to church in our farm clothes, right? So we just got done tearing an engine out of a combine and we were greasy and, and we were dirty. We would have never considered entering the doors of the church with those clothes on. That just would not have been right. Now, the problem is there was a lot of external stuff going on there and very little internal. That's not the picture that I want to paint for you today. But but here's here's a concept. If we take off these dirty clothes, these things, the impurity, passion, evil desires, greed, anger, wrath, malice, slander and abusive speech. If we were to get rid of those, put them off. We have to actively do that, right? None of us. Well, at least I don't think any of us can change clothes by just standing there and saying, I want my clothes to be different. I no longer want these clothes on. I want those clothes on. Then we actually have to do something, right? To take the old stuff off first. Doesn't do much good to cover the old stuff with new stuff. It doesn't really get us anywhere. If if I've got on greasy, uh, dirty overalls and and I go put on a three-piece suit over the top of that, I'm still going to smell like diesel fuel and oil. And and that's not going to make the difference. I've got to get rid of the old stuff first before I can put on the new stuff. It's imperative that we think of these things. So here's your example. I I love my job and it gives me great examples all the time. So I work on horses. We have I work at CSU. And so we often see some pretty sick animals. And the the critical care and internal medicine group deal with animals with uh, salmonella problems. So there's an isolation unit. So here's the picture. What would you have said if I went this morning to the isolation unit at CSU? And I don't even know if we have a horse in it, but let's say there was with salmonella, shedding salmonella, bad strain, resistant to all but one or two, perhaps antibiotics. There are those out there. They're pretty scary things. And I rolled around in the stall. Right. And then I came here and, and, and intermingled with everybody. Right. See. We sometimes look at these things that we're supposed to take off and say, I, I own those things, right? And I do. I own my own issues with the immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, malice, anger, slander, all of those. I, I own those. It's not your fault that I have those. But have you ever noticed that if I bring those out to you, I can spread them? I could, I'll bet you, without even a lot of effort, Today, after the service, find a group and start getting problems started. Right? None of us start thinking that we'll do that. But, but it's the same thing if I rolled in the salmonella stall and came out and shook hands and gave hugs to everybody and stuff. Not only might I get sick, but I could spread it to everybody. It's the same thing when we're wearing the old clothes, when we're wearing the old self. Right? When I'm carrying my old self around and I get into the group... 
and, and, and I start complaining about somebody or something or some issue, it's no different than me bringing E. coli or salmonella or, or whatever else you might want to carry along with you uh, from a biological perspective. So we have to be careful. We're not doing this just for ourselves. We're not laying this stuff aside just for us. That we own those things. There are our own issues. Right? It's not your fault I have them. But it's not my fault you have yours either. But when I bring mine into a group of people, I can seed problems. So I have to let them go, not just for me, but for you too. It's not just about me getting rid of these. I'm doing it for you. I have to lay these things aside. I have to put them off because I love you. Because I care about you. Because I don't want you to have to deal with my issues. We need to do that for each other. Do not lie to one another in verse 9. They've got some issues. It really translates best to stop lying. This isn't a rhetorical point. Do not lie. It's a quit it. Stop. You're doing it. You're lying to one another. What good is that? What benefit does that bring to the body? Stop it. Paul's telling them to be finished. Rather, put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. That word renewed can also be translated renovated. Isn't that beautiful? I love that concept. The renovation. What I came with isn't what I'm going to leave with. Right? My house started looking like this, but after renovations, it looks like this. Sometimes that's good, sometimes it's bad. Depends. But not here. We have the master builder renovating us. We have the master creator renovating us. It's, it's bringing us a new quality of life never experienced before. That's what the renovation is. It's getting rid of the stuff that needs to be gotten rid of and shoring up the good stuff and building that. We're, we're not going to leave the same. Christ promises us that once he has begun a work in us, he will complete it. So for those of you who are in the painful stages of renovation, right, the tearing down part, it's going to get better. Because we've got the creator working on us. You can't get better than that. There's nobody who can renovate like Jesus can renovate And he's making us in his image. Now, if that doesn't excite you, you should check for a heart rate. Right? If you're not excited about the fact that when we're renovated fully and completely, we will look exactly like Jesus. Not kind of, not close to, but completely. 100% like Jesus. See, that's where we're at now for for those of us who are still here on earth. We're still being worked on. By God's grace, when you see me next year, I won't be like I am today. I'll be more like Jesus. 
by His grace. I don't have to stick around and drag my sled full of garbage and carry on anymore. I can be more like Christ. And every year, He makes me more like Himself. So I don't have to be me anymore. And I'm so excited about that. Because there's parts of me I hope to never see again. And I hope that for you guys too. He wants to make us be like Him. And we can't do that. I can get up in the morning and I can shave and shower. I can fix my hair. I can pull, pick out fancy duds. I can even get a tie that matches both my shirt and my pants. But I can't make myself look like Jesus. I can't do that. I can give you guys guidance on what you should wear. You maybe shouldn't listen, but I can do it. But I can't make you more like Jesus either. Only he can do that. So my job today is to not help you get rid of all this stuff and load you up with the good stuff. My job today is to point you at the Savior. Point you at Jesus. You want to get rid of the old garbage and you want to put on some new stuff? Look at him. Look to him. He's got it. And he's waiting. He is anticipating you today. To say, you know what? I'm ready. I want to get rid of it all. I'm tired of carrying around this stuff that smells so bad. I'm just tired of it. It's like gangrene. Now, I don't know if any of you guys had the opportunity to see gangrene. It's really not pleasant. Right? And, and I've dealt with it in animals before. And, and it's, it's the, the animals necrosing before your very eyes. Now, that's one thing. But there are people with gangrene. Right. Diabetics, people that struggle with diabetes is, is a common problem. And and in and, and your own body is decaying, not not figuratively like we talk about in the in the word. But I'm talking physically decaying, rotting. And, and everybody that comes by, you knows it because they can smell that. It's not that different with our soul. We can't smell the decay. We can see it. But Christ can smell it. So, chop it off. Get rid of it. God's waiting there to help us to do that. In this renewal, in verse 11, I made up a new word, newing. It's new as a verb. I like it. It's a concept. I'm sure it'll catch on. I think, I think there's places to get that on the internet now to make it a word. Uh, but, but a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and freeman. But Christ is all and in all. We live in a world and a society that talks on and on ad nauseum about peace and unity. We talk about acceptance. And we talk about uh, allowing people to be and do whatever they want to be and do. And it's okay. You're okay. I'm okay. We're all okay. There's no big problems in the world. If we could just get rid of hate, everything would be perfect. We'd all be unified. Right? Wow. You know, I'm not against that. Peace and unity at all. The problem is, you can't get there where people are trying to get there from. You can only get there from Christ. This concept of unity or this lack of distinction really is a concept that's based upon changed lives. 
We can't get there as the world. We can never, ever achieve unity because we will always have something that I like that you don't like. We will always be separate. It may be a style of music. Right? Maybe the words are the same. Right? Maybe it's a, maybe it's a hymn that, that is done in a traditional pipe organ. Or maybe it is a contemporary song and the words are the same. One of us will love it, one of us will hate it. Right? Even in the church we struggle with these things. We're never going to get there outside of Christ. The whole idea is that there's changed lives and there is a forward direction. We are focused. Our compass points towards Jesus. And we're going there. Get on board and let's go. The world struggles with unity because the whole concept with worldly unity is acceptance. I accept you for who you are, but we can't be the same. The unity here was talking about there's no distinction. There's no difference. There is nothing separating Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and freeman. Why? Because if you're Christ, you aren't any of these anymore. You're his. You're, you're not. You're not a Greek. You're not a Jew. You're not circumcised or uncircumcised. You're not a barbarian anymore. You're not a Scythian. You're not a slave. You're not a freeman. You're his. You belong to Christ because if you are a believer, he's in you and he's in every other believer as well. And that makes us one, one body. That is exciting. We struggle too much in the world with chopping off the tall poppies. When we lived in Australia, there was a story people talked about the tall poppy syndrome. The idea is you want to fit in with the crowd. If you look across the field of poppies and there's one of them sticking up above the others, what's the first thing you do? You cut it off. Right? We don't want to be that. We want to be the people that are here bringing others with us. We don't want to be chopping off. We want to be bringing the other ones and, and making them more like Jesus. Helping them, pointing them in the right directions. We want to be new. We want to be renovated. Verses 12 and 13 brings it starts to bring it to a summary. And so, those as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, also forgive them. Put on. Right? We can't put on until we put off. So you got to get rid of the other stuff. Right? Don't take a doggy bag. Don't take a small suitcase with you. Get rid of it and leave it. And now, once you've done that, let's put some stuff on. This is where it gets good. You start looking a lot more like Jesus when you're wearing this stuff. This is fun. Right? But it's an action. You have to decide today. Do you really want to have compassion? Do you want to be kind? 
Do you want to have humility? Do you want to be gentle? Are you willing to suffer injury or insult rather than give it out? Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to take beatings rather than dish them out? Are you willing to forbear? Are you willing to to give grace, extend grace where no grace has been extended to you from a worldly perspective? Are you willing to be long-suffering? I love that word. Long-suffering. This is not for those who live in the temporal world. Long doesn't belong in their vocabulary. It better in ours. Long-suffering. Are you willing to take this for a long time? Will you bear with one another? Will you forgive? Many of us from the world have not been forgiven. But from the Savior we have. Which is more valuable? Forgiveness from the Savior? Forgiveness from the world? Hmm. I think I'd take the Savior. Seems like a better choice. What a blessing, the Savior. He said, I'll take your sin. I'll hang on the cross for you. I will forgive you for killing me. And I will give you eternal life. We've got nothing else. What more do we need? Who cares if the world has forgiven us for their wrongs? Let's forgive. Let's forgive. Let us be forbearing and long-suffering. So my plan for the new year for all of you is verses 14 and 15. Beyond all these things... Put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. The uniting bond of perfectness, love. These other things are very valuable, guys. Don't get me wrong. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing, forgiving. We start by loving people. People need the love of Christ. It is the single most valuable thing we possess. Because with it comes the rest. If you really love someone, so much so that you'd be willing to lay down your life for them, you don't think that you can be patient with them? You don't think that you can be kind and gentle to them? I think you got it made. We have to learn to truly love. The new year starts Tuesday, 12.01 a.m. I don't have any magical things for you. I have the solid rock and foundation of Christ as my Savior. And even though it's not mine to give, I offer to all of you the opportunity to accept it. You still may have resolutions for this next year. There's nothing wrong with that. There's certainly plenty of growth for all of us. There's certainly areas that we can change and improve upon. And if you need, again, verses 5 
And to, to give you a pretty good idea of what you don't want to be, verse 8, another example of what you don't want to be. Uh, verses 12, 13, and 14, probably the directions you want to head. So if you need a road map, take 5 and, and 8 and put them behind you. And put 12, 13, and 14 in front. Because that's what we ought to be doing. The rest of the things will pretty much work out. They'll be there. But might I encourage you that outside Christ, you just can be frustrated trying to do this. Putting on and putting off will be nearly impossible. Well, actually, it will be impossible without him. We'll make efforts. We'll make motions. We'll do things. But it won't work. Nothing of these lists can you get rid of or put on without him. So probably the most important thing I would encourage you as you walk into this new year is, are you his? Do you belong to him? Have you given your life to the Savior? He took care of everything. He paid your debts. He's sitting there waiting for you to say, I'd like to come in. He's ready to welcome you. There's nothing left. You just have to decide. Do you want to go there? Then, then you can go the rest of the way. For those of you who are his, practice love. Your neighbors, love them. Your boss, love them. Your employees, love them. Your children, love them. Your spouse, love them. Let there be no room for any of the other issues. Have your heart so filled with love for these people. They couldn't possibly fit in a single slice of anger pie, of malice cookies, of slander dessert. Right? Be so loving to them that nothing else can fit. God is the most amazing, generous father to all of us. Christ who loves us more than we could ever possibly love him, no matter how hard we'll try. He's a brother to us. He's Savior and our Lord. He's coming back. He's coming back. And when he does, those that are his will go with him. Let's pray. Lord, you are so good to us. I can't even imagine how much you have done and how much you love me and each one of us. You never forsake us. You never sleep. You never slumber. You don't deal with the issues we deal with. And you still care. You still want us. Lord, would you help us to focus on getting rid of the old self and yearning to put on the new self? And if it takes a new year, And the promise of a new year to do that, Lord, then use that time. We give it all to you in your perfect timing, in your perfect will. We love you, God, Jesus, and Spirit, and we thank you for this last year where you have blessed us so much more than we could have ever deserved. And we know that in the next year you will continue to grow us and make us more like Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.